Hello, you history buff, you, and welcome to History Lessons from the Lore Master, an audio podcast created by the Symbiosis Now Network. I am Tyler Columbaro, and I am a co-host of this show. The other co-host would be the Lore Master himself, Brad Gonzalez, who has his bachelor's degree in history through Fresno State University. He knows his geography, he knows his facts, and he knows his history. Whereas I, on the other hand, am more of a history hobbyist. I enjoy learning about the past, and I like asking many, many questions. Here on History Lessons from the Lore Master, we plan to educate the listener on historic events and learn together about how humanity has gotten to where we are today. Because there is a lot to learn from history, folks. It has been said that history repeats itself. It is critical that we know what has happened in the past so we do not create the same mistakes that we may have. So round up all the history homies and stay tuned as we receive history lessons from the lore master. So folks, I want to officially welcome you to history lessons from the lore master. Brad Gonzalez is the lore master. I am the Lord Master. That is correct. Yes, I am the Lord Master Bradley Gonzalez. Yeah, so I've been on several episodes of uh, Tyler's Symbiosis Now podcast. So this is the first episode of a planned spinoff where I'm just, you know, here just talking about history and you know how cool it is and some interesting new facts that you may have, may or may not even heard before. So, yeah, let's get to it. So, yeah. A little bit of background, you know, I've, like I said, I've been a special guest on uh, episodes of Symbiosis Now, and sometimes I would break into history, because I have a vast knowledge of history, you know, unlike any other that you could see, you know, even though that sounds kind of show-offish, but still, so yeah, they call me the lore master for a reason. Yeah, so, we are going to be kicking off this episode about the golden age of piracies so you got any questions regarding the golden age of piracy tyler well i think that we should just get into it straight out the gate what i want to know is how much rum were these pirates drinking were they under their own governance or was there a governance at all this is what i really want to know from you in the end of all this whatever we talk about today for the listener too i'm sure that's what they'll want to know how much rum are these fools drinking? Where's it coming from? No, I'm just kidding. That's not the focus. But on a serious note, like, did they govern themselves? How did that work? Was it democ- democratic, dare I say? Was it uh, about trade only? You know, in the background, the black market, the OG black market, perhaps. Were there specific names that stand out in that golden age of piracy? And the golden age of piracy was... When? That's my first question. When was the golden age of piracy? Because there's pirates today in 2023 out in the ocean, robbing and pillaging, you know? But what are we talking about when we talk about the golden age of piracy? So so I'm sure everybody knows what a pirate is. Like, you know, somebody that goes on ships and steals treasure or tries to find treasure, as pop culture would have you to believe. You know, like you see pirates like, Arg, mateys, walk the plank. Yo, matey, yes, where's the rum? Yeah, if you've seen stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow or, you know, Treasure Island with Long John Silver. We or, named the Monkey Jack. 
or you know one piece you know the anime that got a live action series on netflix recently which is pretty flipping good for a live action anime adaptation where you know sometimes these pirates you know and pop culture usually depicted as either villains or heroes or anti-heroes you know especially you know jack sparrow is depicted as a heroic pirate or the or monkey d luffy and the straw hats you know in one piece are also heroic pirates even though there are also some bad pirates you know like davy jones or you know all of those other pirates that the freaking straw hats fight in one piece and stuff like that or you know I, well i haven't really i don't know that much about treasure island but I think Long Long John Silver was a bad was a villain. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. So, but still, that's like a fictional story about pirates, you know, of Treasure Island. And let's be honest, has anyone ever really gone to Long John Silver's? I mean, we. Oh yeah, I've, I've gone there. Like just it, kidding. No, it's so greasy. Good grief. I just want to say though so that I'm greasy. glad that you brought up Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and that kind of series and that kind of cultural aspect because in the modern uh, 21st century, we'll call it, yes. there is that my that understanding of piracy and pirates. That's kind of what most people think. Maybe then they think piracy like pirating music, meaning like stealing stuff online, like like as if the World Wide Web was the ocean back in the day of this golden age of piracy you could apply the same kind of understanding to it i guess is why we call it piracy in the modern world mm -hmm. but most people when they think of pirates like you said peg leg eye patch pirates of the caribbean johnny depp being a badass mm -hmm. that kind of mo yes. and it's a good cultural pivot point for us to kind of talk about i'm sure at certain points because why not it, it was pretty on par it was like it had all the elements in those movies of like the classic like pirate kind of vibe mm -hmm. and the times and what the the British had to do with the situation, stuff oh, like that. Oh, yes. The navies of the British and the Spanish were heavily involved and during this time period usually trying to capture pirates and stop them from, you know, stealing their stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean or, you know, where they have the British Navy, Imperial British Navy trying to, you know, running into them all the time or in one piece for example which takes place in a fictional world where pirates are all over the place you have the world government and their marines trying to you know stop the pirates too because they're viewed as bad guys even though the pirates in these pieces of meat are usually the good guys though but there are sort of bad, still bad pirates in the in those series too you know so right yeah so there is some well, when it comes to the pop culture depiction of pirates, it's mostly exaggerated to, you know, how, you know, the pop culture depiction of the Old West is super exaggerated or, or romanticized, you know, like, you know, in those cowboy movies or in games like Red Dead Redemption, even though there is some historical accuracy in Red Dead Redemption, even though that some of the, a lot of the towns in, the, in, in those games are, like, fictional, too, so... So, yeah, so I just want to bring up that example of how pop culture, you know, kind of exaggerates stuff, you know, historical stuff like that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to acknowledge for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically why I'm going to be discussing the golden age of piracy is because, you know, this is something that isn't really, that is, you know, shown a lot in our pop culture, like I said, but it's never really discussed in like history classes Unless if you go to college, I do recall back at Fresno State, there was a 
Power, Golden Age of Piracy history class I was offered, though I don't think it was ever really offered after that one year I saw it available. Wow. Um, but I do know the professor who taught it, who mainly teaches about the American Revolution and uh, the British Empire during that time, too, you know, so. So I figured, you know, what if I start doing some digging about the Golden Age of Piracy? Because this is something that's like kind of still a little bit in the water, no, in the dark for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Deep waters. Yeah. I, even though I do know some historical context, but, you know, I decided to read this book called The Republic of Pirates, being the true and surprising story of the Caribbean pirates and the man who brought them down by Colin Woodard. So what this book is about is, you know, it's a pretty straightforward, albeit a little bit lengthy discussion about the golden age of piracy and pirate life and you know who blackbeard and henry avery you know the so-called king of the pirates were and about the guy who ended up stopping them once and for all and one thing that really caught my eye was the title the republic of pirates like i first heard about the republic of pirates when i was looking at this infograph on Instagram about, you know, these countries that no longer exist. And one of them was a, like, there was a flag of each country that no longer exists anymore. And one of them was a Jolly Roger, which is a black flag with a skull and crossbones on it. And it said, Republic of Pirates. I saw an infographic on, on Instagram which had the flags and names of each, you know, country that no longer existed. And one of them was a flag of a Jolly Roger, which is what we've seen in pop culture of a black flag with a skull and crossbones. And it said Republic of Pirates. I was like, what the heck? Was there really a Republic of Pirates? So I decided to go on Amazon to type Republic of Pirates. And whoa, there was actually a book about pirates title the republic of pirates like i just mentioned and i was like oh, okay this seems interesting and i checked the review saying that it's that, that's good that that's a good straightforward book about piracy you know not too it's, it's an example not too endeavor becomes boring so yeah so i decided to get this book and i read it earlier in the year and it was as a book it was as a history book it was pretty engaging Aging, although some of the chapters were pretty lengthy and it got a little bit kind of well not necessarily boring but i just feel like some of the chapters took so long but it was worth it though overall like it's a great book that i totally recommend if you want to learn more about the golden age of piracy although there are some other books that are about you know the golden age of piracy as well and I haven't read those, but maybe I'll read them in the future. So, yeah, we're going to be discussing, you know, the Golden Age of Piracy with using some stuff from this book, which is very good, like I said. So, I also want to say that it's interesting that this book is called The Republic of Pirates because today I literally was trying to do more research right before the pod, right, mm -hmm. for this amazing, amazing mm -hmm. official first episode mm -hmm. for history lessons with the lore master. Mm -hmm. And as I'm researching... I decided to listen to the Republic of Pirates podcast. That's what it's titled, oh, The really? Republic of Pirates, mm -hmm. by uh, Real Pirates. It's like a, it's a Spotify like exclusive or something like that, like a series that is like narrated. It's got cool music and stuff. So I want to shout that podcast out on Spotify. Go check it out because I learn a lot, honestly, on this subject 
from that podcast even, let alone other resources, obviously, that you have the, the possibility with the World Wide Web these days, folks. They yes. didn't have that back during this time what we're talking about. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so here's a little introduction about what exactly the Golden Age of Piracy is. So the Golden Age of Piracy is a time period between 1696 and up until 1732 so it was basically during like the during like the aftermath of the age of exploration after you know the colonization and christopher columbus and all that stuff after all of that the classic the classic scenario where most things changed globally yeah all it took was some dude to sail trying to get to india but then he ends up somewhere else and Everything else is history. <laughs> you could almost argue that Christopher Columbus was a pirate in a way. Oh, But yes. a state-funded pirate, right? Yes, I and think. And in some circumstances, as I learned, that maybe hopefully we'll talk about, there are a lot of pirates that were kind of state-sponsored, ironically. Oh, yes. I think those are called privateers. Uh-huh. Yeah, let me check the index so I could... Get like a better idea. So yeah, privateers are talked about during this time during this and excuse me in this book too, along with the said time period of the golden age of piracy. So basically, during that time, there was like probably like the biggest no no excuse me like the greatest instance of pirate activity we have ever seen in global history. Most of it took place in the Caribbean and around the Atlantic Ocean and around the British colonies, which would eventually become the United States 100 years after. So The Bahamas. Yeah, the Bahamas, folks, Cuba. Yeah. Where you like to go Jamaica. on vacation. Yeah, like that was pirate land. Yeah. While, it, while the Republic of Pirates itself wasn't really like a nation, as we call today, like, for example, the United States, Russia. It was like a loose confederation, like a pirate paradise, you know, uh-huh. where they pretty much had control of, you know, of stuff, of, of those islands. I mean, it wasn't like, like I said, like a country, like, you know, it was like democratic or, you know, like a republic or anything. It was like a loose confederation of pirates, you know, just having their own land, you know, doing their own thing. It's like a hub for piracy. Yeah, I could see that. There was actually this legendary king of the pirates named Henry Avery. Yes, he was... So even the pirates had a king, huh? Well, not a a literal king of royalty. Like, he was probably, like, the most power... One of the most powerful pirates. Like I said, he's, like, a legendary figure. And there is some debate on, you know, wherever or not, you know... What he did was actually what he did was actually real though. But his, you know, his his exploits, Henry Avery, which would earn him the name of King of the Pirates. Pirates would inspire, you know, piracy around the during during a time period, and would also help, you know, and help, you know, inspire some of the stories you hear of pirates, you know, what we see in pop culture and stuff like that. Right. That image. Yeah, and the thing is that nobody knows what really happened to Henry Avery. Like, the last time we've actually heard from Henry Avery 
was that he was in prison and some of his former shipmates were executed and he was never heard from again after that, after being captured. What? Dang, bro. Like, so they, like, killed him then, most likely? Tortured yeah. Him, some fucked up shit. Yeah, which kind of inspired, like, a character from the anime One Piece named Gold Roger, who was also known as King of the Pirates, who was executed, like, before the story even began. began. And, you know, what he said in that show, which is fictional, by the way, so, yeah, this is... I'm just trying to make connections from, right. you know, how pop culture takes stuff like this and just, you know, change, like makes it into something entertaining. Like, what Gold Roger did was he leaves a treasure somewhere called the One Piece, and that's why the show is called One Piece. And after his execution in that show, every single pirate just goes, tries to find it, and that's how the Golden Age of Piracy in One Piece happens. So, but, you know, that's fiction. We were talking about... Back to t- now, back to reality, you know. Basically, what the stuff that Henry Avery did is all his exploits and his, you know, plundering, you know, really inspired these stories of these famous pirates back then. Right. Yeah. Right. So he's like the epitome of a pirate. Yes. Like the classic image of a pirate being badass. Yeah. A badass pirate, you know. Dude, these people are like, dude, these pirates that we're discussing, they would be out there on the seas, Mm -hmm. folks. Yeah. The ocean. Mm -hmm. Back in the day. Back in the day. The day day. Yeah. We're talking the 1700s. They call that the 18th century, my friend. Yes. For whatever reason, that's how the math works. But the point is, pirates. I, I don't even want to cuss so much. Pirates were badass as fuck, dude. Yes. All right. And I'm not trying to glorify them. I'm saying, how could you imagine even? Could you even imagine it? Being on ships yes. around the world, just going from place to place, not knowing if you're even going to make it. Not even knowing if the ship, like, for sure was, like, you know, sealed right and stuff again. And they're just out there, bro. They're eating whatever they have on board. They might even eat each other, bro, right? I don't know. Yes, I bet you there's stories. And speaking of that, this book actually talks about how life was like for a pirate based on, you know, what was going on during that time. Because, you know, back then, you know, back then, it wasn't so sanitary on those ships back then. Yeah. Yes. I would imagine. Yeah. You ever, you know that song, yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. Yeah. A pirate's life. I don't think I want to live a pirate's life back then, considering that. On those ships, you know, pirates and shipmates would, you know, get scurvy, get these diseases, they would have their gums bleeding, and they would, and sometimes an entire crew gets sick and wiped out and yeah. stuff like that. Like, believe, like, a pirate's life wasn't so easy as, you know, as, you know, pop culture would like you to believe or anything. It was, like, pretty tough. Like, they weren't living fat on the hog as it seems. A lot of the resources, I'm sure, that they would take. You could say that they're borrowing. Mm-hmm. They would sell to someone else, like right, like they'd make a cut and whatever, but to just to keep rolling on, you know, and go gamble it away at Tortuga and Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yes, know. I also think that Tortuga was probably a re- was a real place. Too. Let me just yeah, double you think check. it was a real place, Tortuga? Yeah. When in the movie, where the homie's like, "Yo, where are we going?" and he's like, "Tortuga," you know, and then they fucking show up. And there's hogs, and there's prostitutes, and there's beer. They probably called it ale. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, Back in the Dizay. Yeah, I can't seem to find anything about a Tortuga in Enix. You know, I thought I saw something like that, like that, but... But there was a place called Nassau. Oh, right? yes, that was a pirate hub, Nassau. That yeah. was like Pirate City, like Pirate Capital of yeah. the Caribbean. Yeah, that was like basically a pirating hub, you know, yeah. where all the pirates would gather, you know, share their loot and talk about their, you know, their exploits at the sea, like how they robbed a ship or sunk a Navy boat or something like that. Right. And some of these pirates, you know, would even terrorize the coast of the British American colonies, which would become the United States eventually after the revolution. Yeah. Yeah, especially in this one in this one town around like Massachusetts, like people would be scared to go out there and they see a pirate ship out there ready to freaking steal whatever they got, though. Like, you know, these pirates would instill fear in some and on, you know, not just those, you know, not just people around the colonies or around the colonized islands, but also on Navy ships and also on merchant vessels, which they used to steal from a lot. And one of the biggest culprits of this was none other than a pirate named Blackbeard. I'm sure everybody knows who Blackbeard is or at least heard of him. Like, you know, famous pirate, you always hear about him in these stories or if you've... Right gone to Blackbeard's up in Fresno or something yeah. You know, when I'm going down the water slide at Blackbeard's, I'm thinking, man, I wonder what that pirate's life was like. I bet you he yeah. was so rich he had a water slide. And Blackbeard was also... <laughs> On the ship, like a carnival cruise. Yeah, so let's see. There's, there's also a chapter dedicated to Blackbeard in this book, which is dated May through September, excuse me, December of 1717, and Basically, Blackbeard has a real name. His name was... His real name, you mean? Yeah, he has... His government name? Yeah, his government name, as you could call it. What's Blackbeard's government name? I almost don't even want to know, man. It's like William... It's like William Louis Vanderhoe III or something. Well, the thing is that Blackbeard was British. He was English. He was basically a citizen of the British Empire back in the day. See, I know his last name is Thatch. Edward oh. Teach. Edward Thatch. Yes, that's his real name, Edward Thatch or Teach. You know, depending Teach. on who you, depending on who you ask, though. Like, yeah, you're right. Like this is like Wikipedia shit that I just Googled up real quick. But Blackbeard was Edward Teach. Yes, he who was. Who passed away in 1718? Yes, like Blackbeard was a very feared pirate back then. I bet. Yes, you know, I mean, he wasn't really the king of the pirates as Henry Avery would, but he did do some pretty gnarly stuff, so, let's see. I could conceive of this, yes. Let's see, there's like a specific page right here where it talks about what he, about what his crew would do to a ship. Well, let's see if I can find You mean it. like when they roll up on a ship? Yeah, what they do to, when they roll up on a ship, like. Cannon blast, samuk. Boots are flying. Let's see if I can find it. Anything and everything. Give them all you got. No, I don't know. They'd probably be like, yo, like, ah, we're rushing that shit. I don't know. Imagine they'd be blasting cannons, though, dog. You know they had artillery for oh, sure. Yeah. That's probably something that they always made sure that they had because it was leverage. It's like the modern-day U.S. military. They have leverage, homie, over the whole fucking globe, practically. That's why we hate on Russia and China because they threaten that possibility of us being number one, quote-unquote, and all this shit. But it's oh. interesting because they had to have artillery. It was leverage over whoever they were trying to rob or take from 
or be threatened by. They wanted to exist. And usually that means you got guns, you got gunpowder, you got cannons, you got stuff. You got Molotov cocktails before they were called Molotov cocktails, I bet. Yeah, so basically, okay, so basically what his crew of pirates would do, for example, is that they would go up to a ship and would start raiding it and would hold the shipmates on that ship hostage and freaking dump some of their stuff until they, you know, until they stop resisting Stuff like that. So yeah, they, so yeah, Blackbeard's crew was did some pretty crazy stuff. They like would that chain too. them up, bro. Yeah. They would like enslave them. Yeah. Sometimes, maybe one of them on the crew wanted to not be doing what they did anymore. They were like, "Let me roll with you guys." Yes. And you know, who knows? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it turns out that Charleston, you know, the city of, of the town. Well, it was a town back then in South Carolina. It's now a city, you know was very vulnerable to an attack by the pirates back then as well. Yeah, it was like a very vulnerable area, and and it was like a perfect target for the pirates, Blackbeard included. So they so Charleston would get really freaking banged up by those pirates. Right. Sometimes, yeah, it was a very vulnerable spot. It's very interesting, though, because I'm now I'm thinking about how, you know, we brought up OCC Christopher Columbus Lokes at the beginning of the show and we're talking about how he like decided to go way west until he hit India but it was not India it was the United States it was North America and essentially within a couple hundred years man you have serious trade and sea travel being mapped out mm -hmm. to another degree right than previous before arguable but history as it's written and we know it now that's the way it seems and for these pirates to know where they're going, to stay on course, to know those trade routes, to know not only the trade routes, the the back like the the back alley trade routes, bro, so they could stay undetected, you know what I'm saying? That's another level. And during this time, like you said, it was rough. They didn't have refrigerators on board and yes. stuff. They didn't even have enough food probably. I was listening to this episode of that podcast I referenced earlier called Real Pirates on Spotify. And they were talking about this guy who was about to eat the dog on board. They were all getting all riled up. And they were starving. They're about to eat the dog that they have on board because they're so hungry. Oh, yeah. And somehow they get in a fight over it and they forget about the dog and they just beat each other up. That's how the story goes, quote unquote. Yes. But who knows how these stories actually ended up ever. Yeah. And because I'm most people, not to say they were illiterate, there were pirates that were literate and were actually brilliant, you could say. They got into the serious trade. But not all were. A lot on the crew were probably illiterate, you could say. They were pretty like poor hygiene. They uh, probably drank a lot. And work too hard, oh, surviving yeah. oh, on the yeah. seven they seas. They would steal rum from ships and get blacked out drunk. Oh, too. I'm sure every freaking yes, day. They you know, probably if possible. go overboard as well. But it's interesting because I'm curious about the British Navy. Like this was also at the time where the the British now decided to, and the Spanish decided to like kind of start not policing the sea, but kind of that's what a navy is like. They're policing the sea. And they're able to go make voyages and, you know, make sure that goods get from one point to another and get taxed, right, to carry out processes, right, to make sure that the money keeps rolling in essentially at the end of the day. That's probably why the Navy was really developed right over time. When people started traveling, there was global trade possible. But did the British Navy kind of 
inspire piracy well, a in thing. a weird way because they're like policing the seas. Well, the pirates are kind of like the the anarchists of the sea oh, in this weird yeah. way. You know, yeah, you could view them as outlaws because because going back to what pop culture does, you know, usually where the pirates are the good guys, you know, the military force or law enforcement, whether it be the British or the Spanish Navy, were usually depicted in a more antagonistic antagonistic light, or in one piece's case, the world government's marines. Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, so, yeah, basically, usually in these stories from pop culture, the Navy would either be like, an, like a minor antagonist if the main villain in those pop stories from pop culture is like a rival pirate or an evil pirate, at least. Or sometimes you have, you know, people like Will Turner who is kind of reluctant to help them or ends up helping them or they have like a little truce, you know. But, you know, this is all popular culture well i mean imagine some of the goods that were coming into the united states before it was the united states even i don't know when they started colonizing the east coast of north america and and when i say that like the british and everyone trying to flee the the european countries it's interesting because pirates you know they were doing business you know they were doing business backdoor deals and probably cheaper for sure oh yes very so it's interesting because uh, I could Im- I could imagine some kind of navy crew getting lost at sea, right? British naval crew and getting lost at sea, and it being crazy on board because they don't know how to do it. They learn how to survive. They get stranded on some island, and they become pirates maybe because they realize there's well, no one coming for them. About that, and they're maybe neg- they feel negative about the British navy navy because they're not coming to save you, baby. They can't. They don't have global positioning. They don't have helicopters. They don't have any of the stuff that, like, you could just drone. I don't know, satellite imagery. Like, you don't. Ha- they didn't have this stuff back then to save you, right? Fine. They can't even find where the recent uh, uh, jet that was like from the military that was like oh, eight million dollars yeah. or whatever <laughs> crashed, right? They can't even find that. Yeah. So imagine back then, bro. No one was coming to save them if they got stranded. I could imagine a lot of people that probably happened to, and they became pirates too. And that's like how someone became a pirate, basically back then. And people would want to leave where they were from or where they were stranded. If they came into contact with these pirates, they probably wanted to become part of the crew because they just wanted to leave home because they were tired of the way things were. And and from what I what I what I was researching, I found that. There was a lot of camaraderie and a brotherhood, essentially, as, oh, uh, amongst yeah. the pirates. And oh, they weren't yeah. just these miscreant, evil human beings. They were just different, and yeah. they did do things different. And there were things that were obviously oh. immoral, as we would call them today. And back then, certain cultures would consider it immoral. Yes. But it was means of survival. Yes, and about what you said about, you know, if the British Navy in particular, or any other, you know force out there would inspire piracy. Believe it or not, some of these pirates were former sailors in the British and Spanish navies during a conflict they had back then, or were privateers, which is basically like a government-funded sailor. So kind of like a mercenary, but not really. So yeah, some of them were former pi- privateers. So basically, uh, kind of like, a, if you were to put it right now, a state-funded pirate. Right. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, and then after the war ended, you know, they felt, you know, abandoned by the British Navy or the 
and they started to do their own thing, like us to get free, you know, to become free, young, wild, and free. Because I'm sure those pirates were pretty young too, just saying so. Right. Yeah, so some of them, so which is why these pirates, you know, know how to, you know, sail a ship or know how to dock a, or, you know, board a ship or plunder some, because they had some prior experience, you right. know, from their time in the British or Spanish navies back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if you loved the ocean and you learned how to, sale obviously you'd probably want to just do that for the rest of your life you know yeah you wouldn't know what else to do probably on land much you know besides pillage you know i don't know that's probably what their mindset was a lot of the time but to also have fun and probably to live not in authoritarian rule because ultimately most of the european countries were probably kind of like that it seems like at that time yeah you still have these monarchs and these you know, you know, you had like the king and queen of England, or the king of queen of Spain, or the, or the Kaiser of Germany. Even though Germany wasn't really involved, they didn't really have a navy back then. So right. yeah, just you know, going being a more bit more broad out there. So, and about what you said about you know the pirates doing some things, you know, that might be more morally questionable. Like I did mention before, though, like they would like pillage merchant ships or or go raid towns like Charleston, South Carolina, or like everywhere else in the Caribbean, but right. they actually liberated some oppressed peoples, and some of these people, persons that were oppressed by whoever was ruling them, would view the pirates as liberators, if not even heroes. Right. Yeah, so there's like another perspective in there, like say, you know, you were being oppressed by you know whoever is running you know this one island and then you see these pirates just kick their ass and drive them out and you're now under like well not well pirate occupation if you would call it that but you view the pirates as your liberators or saviors so some of these pirates are viewed as heroes to these to some of these inhabitants on these islands too i can imagine like someone in the slave trade Imagine them inter intercepting some ship that has slaves aboard and yeah. they decide to free a lot of them. And then some of them are like, they're so grateful and they don't know what else to do. And some that they want to become part of the crew immediately. And you some know what slaves I mean? even became pirate pirates too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I'm sure that this heroic interpretation of what a pirate is, depending on, you know, if you were like a person who was freed by an oppressive authority right there. Right. This would ins further inspire pop culture of these heroic pirates like Jack Sparrow or Monkey D. Luffy in One Piece or or even that one uh, pirate show on Disney, which I forget the name of, but you know what I mean, or even Patchy the Pirate from Spongebob. Yeah. So when we yeah. talk about this golden age of piracy, though, like where were they occupying mostly? I mean, did they travel all around the globe, right? They would go down below Chile, probably all the way down around the South America and come back around. Did they go to Antarctica? Well, they were mostly situated <laughs> situated in the Caribbean coast, which included Cuba, the Bahamas, Jamaica. But they would go transatlantic? Would they go across, you think? Well, they did. Well, like I said, some of them uh -huh. raided the uh, British colonies like Charleston, South Carolina, and stuff like that. So they did go up there a little bit, and they would engage in... But would they go across the Atlantic? Like back towards Europe ever, where the pirates, would they go back that direction or would they go to like Africa, across the Atlantic? 
Well, they, I don't think they ever made it across the Atlantic, but there is pirate activity around Northwest Africa, but those are like different pirates. So now. what about on the, in the Pacific Ocean? Were there pirates in, uh, in the Pacific Ocean like at that time? Well, the thing is that this book doesn't really talk about the Pacific, but I'm sure um, there is some sort of piracy going on in the Pacific too, though, though not really common. I'm just curious, man. I trip yeah. out on that because yeah. I imagine there was people that were just out there. Maybe it was unrecorded. Imagine how many humans there have been. And then they started sailing the seas. And even if they, even if they got lost, and they just kept traveling. And they found land, but they kept going and going and going. They'd go all the way around, down and around what is modern day like Chile, the tip of South oh, America. Oh, yeah. That's and a come all the way back around maybe and just keep following land. Cause and now they're mapping it maybe at this point. Maybe they ran into some people with some resources. And they just keep on going by. There's... I know there's documentation of British and European ships going through the Amazon River trying to check it out and map oh, that out. Oh, yeah. You know, back in the Dizay, bro, back yeah. during this time of exploration, meaning the European world trying to find the rest of the world, I guess, is really what that means. Because there was other people on this continent and South America, North and South America, in the Bahamas. Ah, there was people yeah. there, like you know. Yeah, I mean, there was pirates in other parts of the world. Get me wrong, but we were. Well, there is modern today. Yeah, modern yeah. day. Pirates. I mean, even a lot of our seafood comes from the Gulf of Thailand, where there's a lot of pirates, oh, literally yeah. that that fish and ends up in the white market, not even the black market, meaning the mainstream marketing, like you know, because different countries have different regulations. Am I right? Yes. And the seas, still to this day, are international waters. Yes. It's Pir very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the golden age of piracy, like we were mainly talking about the golden age of piracy around the Caribbean where the republic, where the so-called republic of pirates was that even though it wasn't really a republic, it was basically like a pirating hub or loose confederation of different pirate crews and stuff. Well, well going outside of that area, I'd like to mention the Barbary pirates. In which the United States actually fought, though. Oh. Yes, this was during the Barbary Coast War in 1801 at, at, until 1805, which was like a, like a couple, like a 50, 100, 70, 80 years after the end of the Golden Age of Piracy, in which, the, in which Thomas Jefferson sent the Navy out to... To fight some some Barbary pirates who were were terrorizing Swedish trade ships. Wow. So yeah, basically the Swedish were fighting pirates over there too, and and it was fought oh like around like the coast of and like the off the Mediterranean off of Tripoli off of Libya too. So. Oh wow. Yeah. That's very interesting, my friend. Yeah, that was like that was like, and that was, and that and come to think, that's like the first foreign engagement that the United States have ever has ever done, especially when, especially if it's with if if they're doing it with another country, which in this case was Sweden, though the Kingdom of Sweden, too. So, yeah, just an interesting thing I'd like to point out about you know the United States getting you know fighting pirates, you know, but this is like outside right. of the time period. Right. Yeah. So, like, a lot of this history that we're talking about, who is it recorded by? Like, who who decides um, where these stories come from and how we even basically gained access to them? Was it, like, the British writing history for this time period that we now receive and look back upon? Because I'm sure they were documenting a lot of things. 
Was it the pirates themselves that we have a lot of documents from to verify how things were at that time frame and how they, I don't know, got down? (laughs) I don't know how to say it. Yeah, like a lot of the, these the accounts from from the Golden Age of Piracy usually comes from like journal entries or captains' logs from like the British Empire and even the pirates themselves and yeah. even newspaper clippings and stuff like that. Okay. And also there's like there's also a real and these Jolly Rogers were real flags too. Like I'm looking up right now, they actually have one on display at a museum. See if I could find that particular Jolly Roger in that museum. I'm, I'm, I already explained what the Jolly Roger is. Is that one black flag? Right. It's a classic pirate flag. I sent you an emoji of it. It's an emoji on the iPhone. Oh yes. Like literally, it's the classic skull and crossbones on a black flag. Like, yo ho, and a bottle of rum. They're coming. Like you know, the. It's interesting though because that's the image, right? And that was such a popular flag, or was that just a very unique? One time used type of flag. Was it their battle flag? I think it was just to signify that, you know, don't mess with us or, you know, just to let them know they are not of, you know, of the British or the Spanish or anything. And back then you had to fly some kind of flag, huh? Because yes. when you come across ships, they're like, who are you? Where are you from? Yes, and here's, you had to be like upfront about it. Otherwise, they'd be a, like, oh, they're pirates. Yeah, and here's a picture of a real Jolly Roger on display at the museum. It looks all shitty. Yeah, dude. dude. Looks like my no. It doesn't look shitty. It looks actually like my tattoo. Look at it, bro. It's oh nice. Sheesh. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah. So this is a Jolly pretty Rogers. cool image. You could see it as at a museum. Let me check at which museum it's. Roger at. or Rover? Oh shoot! One of those. Uh, that said Rover. So it's the Jolly Rover, <laughs> eh? We're learning things together, folks, from the lore master. Yes, the Jolly Roger. Yeah, so basically that was a real flag. Though even though it looks different and, you know, historical depictions, you know, look very different. So I'm looking... How interesting it's called the Jolly Roger, but it's funny because jolly, it does not look, my friend. Yes, and and it was actually used by pirates such as uh, Black Sam Villainy, Edward England, and John Taylor. You know, those are the pirates who were known to use a skull and crossbones. That's interesting. I know as they were going up and down the coastlines and whatnot, they had their little hideaways, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what those were like. The little hideaways where they would stash their loot and whatnot in between sessions of robbing. I'm sure there was headquarters of types, right? Yes. There was ports of types yeah. that were allowed in. Oh, and, yeah. Especially and maybe officers at... would look the other way because they knew they had to get the goods from the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm sure that would happen, just like uh, drugs get in the United States still, because someone looks the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going back to the who records history, like the interesting part about that too is that not only it's from um, documents and captains' uh, logs, it's also from a book that was published during that time called, well, after that time, by a captain named Charles Johnson. And it's called A General History of the Pirates. And that book is mentioned in this book, too, along with Captain Charles Johnson. So, yeah, it's called A General History of the Pirates. And this book is mentioned in this book, by the way. So I'm just... Okay, we're talking about... We're getting Matrix-type shit going on here, folks. We're going levels deep here. We're talking about a book inside of a book. 
that's referenced yeah. in another book. Yeah, this yeah that book you know the general history of pirates and pirate and that other book is spelled P Y not P I. Oh. Yeah, and the author talks about that book because after the golden age of piracy ended, you know all of these stories of these. Pirates doing this badass stuff. Well, depending on who you are, some of it was kind of, you know, kind of disturbing. So, <laughs> yeah, basically he says that that book, A General History of Pirates, would exaggerate many things about what the pirates did and would add in some fictional stuff to happen, too, despite having some accurate stuff in it. And, it, and that book, if it wasn't for that book, A General History of Pirates, by Captain Charles Johnson... We wouldn't have this popular culture depiction of pirates we have today in movies, TV shows, and music, too. Right. There was always some kind of journalism. People observing things and documenting it, writing it down somehow, painting pictures of it, writing it down, Mm -hmm. describing what a life may have been like for sure. I could imagine someone just trying to go aboard a ship to literally document it and to know what it's like to be a pirate. Oh, yes. And then write a book about it that barely sells but it's still there and then people find out about it hundred year, hundreds of years later and it's an upheld book you know I could conceive of that for sure yes what about government did these pirates have like their own type of government how did they function and not all fight each other right different oh. pirate I'm sure there was different ships that had totally different crews different oh, captains yes. different right captains. They weren't, how, how were they all somehow not uh, ranked amongst each other by different ships even like you know they weren't like a fleet like the army would be the navy would be right they'd be like unregistered in fact if they went missing no one would really know by the time they hit the next location because no one knew who's on the ship anyways because we're talking about pirates except for that crew that crew would know what happened yes (laughs) yeah so basically it would depend on who's captain of what crew and you know because all the pirates you know despite having a shared sense of you know being free and stealing stuff they all had like a different you know they weren't all the same they all had like a different form of government governance within the ship in some way despite not having not being affiliated with any authority or ships so they would have a sense of govern governance in the ship depending on who the captain is and stuff like that and and i'm sure and there's like some kind of well, like I said, these ships were not affiliated with any government but themselves. So basically, it was like a tight-knit little group, though. Right. Like a friend group, kind of, but not really since... I'm sure there were some pirates that didn't get, get along would freaking throw each other off the damn ship, you know. So. But it's almost like they were all trying to kind of do something similar mm-hmm. in the way of getting away from having a direct authority. Yes. And that almost became their authority of its own. They all feared each other just equally just as much as they were envious of each other equally. And I'm sure there were some pirates that were living fatter on the hog, Mm -hmm. but a lot of pirates just respected other pirates, I'm sure, because they all had the agreement that they don't live by some kind of uh, nationalistic rule, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of the world did or a lot of the uh, sea travel had some kind of orientation towards some nation for sure. And these guys were rogue. Yes. They were out there on their own. Yes, and despite having a so-called Republic of Pirates, it wasn't really its own country with a set of authority or governors, like a loose confederation, like I said. Though Nassau... Nas, how do you pronounce it? Nassau? Nassau? 
in the Bahamas, you know, that city was like the main hub for all NASA, that stuff. bro. That's yes. why they call it NASA. It's just all a piracy. Yes. No. <laughs> they stole the moon. No, I'm just yes. kidding. However, they did also have a pirate code during uh, a, in, the Repu- in the so-called Republic of Pirates, too. That's interesting. Basically. So, the, so they could all read then and they knew the code? Yes, basically it was like a code of conduct for pirates, tech, basically. So think of it like that. Okay. Where they where they divide treasure amongst each other or whatever loot they plundered and stuff. Like they shared the loot. They just had to divide it, you know. That's interesting though, because I could see someone saying, No, I get more than you because I put in more work or I killed that guy and you didn't or whatever, you know? But it's hard to actually believe that because it's hard to believe that it was all an equal share is what I'm saying because there's always yeah. someone that feels like they deserve more. But how did they do that? They were basically socialist in a weird way then, in this weird anarchist way. They were like, we all still get an equal share. Yeah. Because otherwise there'd be mutiny, mm-hmm. right? Someone else getting a little more than the other guy. Someone holding out on the crew, hiding resources. So I'm sure they'd probably make them walk the plank. Oh, yes. Yes, they Which did. was a thing. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Yeah, walking the plank was a thing. Though a bit exaggerated because of pop culture. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, like they like pop culture makes it act like as if that's like the thing they that would they would always do to somebody or so, or like a hostage or somebody like that. So, yeah. Okay. And another thing that pirates would do would sing sea shanties. You know what a sea shanty is? No. Yeah, you if you've seen SpongeBob, you see you know the accordion music plays. Dun, 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 yeah. Those are actual songs that pirates would sing, or any sailor would sing. One of the most famous ones is called Drunken Sailor. That goes with this. What do we do with a drunken sailor? What do we do with a drunken sailor? What do we do with a drunken sailor? Early in the morning. Hey, hey, up and early. Hey, hey, up and early. Hey, hey, up and early, early in the morning. Yeah, that, yeah, something like that. So, these sea shanties were pretty popular amongst, you know, pirate crews back then. Very famous, too. And you could actually hear, like, an authentic rendition of those songs without any in- instruments, just a pure voice in a game called assassin's creed 4 black flag which is an assassin's creed video game that takes place during a time period where you play as a assassin who is also a pirate too whoa and in that game you get to visit like the real world locations like nasa and you know the bahamas and get to plunder ships and stuff like that too wow yeah like look up those songs you know specifically drunken sailor you know that version from assassin's creed black flag it sounds awesome like authentic too that's very interesting that they yeah. would just like sing song mm-hmm. to keep each other sane probably. It's a thing. Chanting. It's a thing, bro. Yes. You know, a lot of people that meditate and stuff, they like to have a chant or like words of affirmation or something, you know. And then when you're out there on the seas alone, with just your bros, having each other's backs against all odds, of course you're going to sing a little song, play a little violin real quick pluck along on a little three string guitar that's supposed to be six but that's all you got make some music bro i'm sure they'd be singing and trying to keep the morale high at some point some kind of morale which probably was pretty hard with the food they were eating imagine 
Like if they had meat, how were they preserving that? Salting it all crazy? And then just eating it raw? Oh, I would be nah, I can't imagine eating salted meat like that. How would they it. what did they even eat? Like how do we even know? Do, I mean I'm sure he probably caught some fish using some nets too, so they eat each other? No. Nah. I keep well, saying that. Well, in the but most I bet. extreme measure, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Just a leg. Don't worry about it, Tommy. We're just gonna cut your leg off with this rusty old sword that we stole from a British ship that they used to cut people's heads off with when they were pirates. Not <laughs> just a little, just a little femur. Just we need the bone marrow from the femur. That's all, Tommy. We just need the quadricep muscle because that's the most, the most meat on your body because you're tiny. We're all starving, and if you don't make it. We're going to eat your liver next. But no worry about that, Tommy. We're just taking the leg, I promise. Yes, and there yo is ho, actually... Yo, yo, Yeah, and speaking of, you know, we were talking about how pirates, some pirates were in line with the government too, right? You know, like privateers. Well, there's actually this one pirate who got pardoned by the king of England and actually became a pirate hunter who hunted pirates. Whoa. Near the end of the golden age of piracy. So he was like the Wagner group back in the day. Oh, yeah, the Wagner Coop, which, oh, I remember that. That'll be, like, for another symbiosis now. Absolutely. To talk about, so. Absolutely. Yeah, this dude, Benjamin Hornigold, who was mentioned in this book, was a pirate who was, you know, doing piracy near the end of the golden age of piracy. And, and he would associate himself with Edward Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard, you know, one of the most feared pirates in history. And basically, his crew kicked him out. He, his crew didn't like him anymore, so just kicked him off, and he was no longer captain of his own crew. Oh, wow. And he eventually, you know, accepted a king's pardon for his crimes. Basically, they, he was forgiven for his crimes as a pirate, and he became a pirate hunter, and he would... And on behalf of a man named Woods Rogers, who was governor of the Bahamas, he would hunt pirates. Basically, basically he would be hunting down his former friends out there for on behalf of the governor of the Bahamas. Eventually, you know, he was killed when he wrecked his ship after that, so. Wow. Yeah, so basically he was hunting down pirates. Basically... Which would, when you think about it, hiring a former pirate to hunt down pirates is actually a good idea because they know how it's like to be a pirate and yeah. they know the ins and outs and they could probably use some of their, some of his experiences, you know, as their own intelligence to, you know, get, you know, get to know how to operate and how to counter a pirate too, so. He was the, he was Dog the Bounty Hunter of pirates. Yes. <laughs> probably looked Basic, like Dog. He was basically a bounty hunter. Yeah, dude. Near, near imagine imagine a pirate version of Dog yeah, the Bounty so Hunter coming after you. Basically, that man basically would would basically all of his pirate hunt, hunting, Hornigold's pirate hunting, would be, lead to the end of the golden age of the pirates. And some of these pirates were like, you know, get executed, get hung by the gallows. Yes, they actually hung pirates back then. Wow. Yeah, there was even this one tourist attraction which was a gallery where they hung a famous pirate too really? on the east coast yes and everyone just got goes and takes pictures next to the rope where they hung some guy back in the day well i'm not sure if it's if, if the rope is still there it's just a just an area where you know he was where a pirate was executed 
that rope was made of hemp, so I guarantee that rope is still there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, this book also explains that some pirates went back to working for the government as pirate privateers. Wow. And some just gave up on life and just went to hiding for good. Yeah, and they ended up somewhere like in a mountain range or in South America to flee maybe. Yeah, and the whole thing about these pirates becoming privateers for like the government after the Golden Age ended kind of reminds me of how some former Nazi scientists would work for the U.S. and Soviet governments after World War II, kind of, you know, Operation Paperclip. And I forget the name of the Soviet version of that, too. The Soviets also got ex-Nazis who worked for them, too, apparently. So. No, yeah, I forget the name, too, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That may be for another episode because, folks, we're going, in, we're going there. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Cold War eventually, which is one of my favorite time periods to talk about. So I'm excited, Lord Master. Mm -hmm. These history lessons are absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It's good to have a session where we can yes. talk about such things, especially pirates, because it's something that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that I think most people like to think about in this weird way. Yes. Especially because of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> and the ride at uh -huh. Disneyland. Yeah. This oh. imagery of being kind of anarchist, yes. but democratic in this weird brotherly, sisterly way. Yeah, it's like a familial bond, like yeah. a family kind of. You oh. know, united through aggravation almost. United through uh, being sick of the man keeping you down. Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah, basically, they were basically anti-authoritarian, even though some of captains were pretty mean to some of their, you know, places where they, you know, raided and stuff. Dude, imagine how drunk these pirates would get, though. Like, oh, the kind of rum and booze they would get their hands on. Imagine, where was it made? Like, they had headquarters over Barbados probably at some point, I bet. They were probably in control of the rum trade at some point, some of these pirates. Maybe even arguably still today. But what's very interesting is that they somehow made an image that lasted into yeah. the 21st century that we have. Yeah, and you could think that book, that one pirate book that was mentioned, you know, that was written after the Golden Age, which, which told these exaggerated stories of the real-life pirates that would inspire the imaginations of many authors, like the author of Treasure Island or, you know, Walt Disney, you know, parts of the Caribbean, or right. or Ichiro Oda, the manga kind of One Piece and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one thing about women pirates, because because in pop culture they sometimes show like women as pirates. Though back then women weren't allowed to be pirates on those ships, so yeah, there wasn't really much involvement of women other than possibly being held captive or ransom or something so i see but it was because of avoidance of temptation amongst these grueling men i'm sure because they knew mm -hmm. maybe in a weird way they knew like they should not have women because they weren't gonna they weren't gonna mind their business they weren't gonna be yeah. nice they or were maybe play dirty, some maybe, you know? sexist attitudes back then that too. too maybe yeah right like women can't do this but i think it was probably also because they knew themselves and yeah. that that would be a problem because i did read when i was researching that a lot of pirates would love to gamble and they would love to get hook up with prostitutes oh, whenever man. they would hit land somewhere 
that's what they would like to do with a lot of their yeah. money and treasures that they would make. They would blow it on gambling, prostitutes, and booze. And that reminds me, I remember being on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride back then before they changed some stuff of it. Like, there's this part where, you, where you're on the boat and you hear, yo ho, yo ho, pirates are for me, like in the background, and you see pirates having an like a slave auction and you have all these women in shackles you know being ready to be traded off after they captured the town and, oh wow yeah and i and they recently got rid of that and now there's like a female pirate you know holding some other pirate trying to embarrass him in, in, in its place now so <laughs> but it was uh arguably more historically accurate the way that they depicted it before Pretty much, yeah. Even though it's sad, it's weird to think about. Yeah. They were, like, depicting it how it would be back then. Yeah. Man, that's rugged. Mm-hmm. The pirates were not great people. <laughs> they were very strange and odd and yeah. fascinating, the way that they would do a lot of other things. But that part of it, a lot of that stuff, that's craziness. But at the same time, that was then. They were the absolute anarchists of the world. Mm-hmm. And... It's, it's hard to fathom what that life would have been like in the modern time, especially those of us that live in the United States in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah it's pretty hard to imagine what it would be like back then. Well, I mean, there are still pirates today, though, but like in Somalia, the Indian Ocean, you know, still pirates all over the place, although their activities are similar but a little different. They were like mainly engaged in drug trafficking and human trafficking too so would you have been a pirate back in the day back in the golden age of piracy if you got the opportunity i don't know man i mean being free from authority sounds fun but then again the risks that come with you no know, getting captured you know having scurvy uh, i don't know man yeah it sounds tempting <laughs> yeah it sounds tempting yeah but i don't know if i would have been either man mm-hmm. i would have probably thought of them as some kind of weird hero maybe mm-hmm. but I probably would never want to join the crew actually I'd be a fanboy mm-hmm. pirate fanboy yeah you want to finish the podcast yeah so basically that's our first episode of history lessons from the Lord Master in which we discuss the golden age of piracy with some assistance from this book I've read just to gain further detail and context you know cause because, you know, it's like a lot of detail in this book, and I'd highly recommend you read this book, The Republic of Pirates by Con Woodard, or any other book about the Golden Age of Piracy. Just, they're like playing out there, but this is one of the books I'd recommend first. So, yeah, check it out. It's pretty awesome. Folks, if you're into pirates, you're into weird historical events that maybe you just don't know enough about, mm-hmm. we're going to get into it mm-hmm. with the lore master. Yeah. As we voyage into these unknown realms of historical revelation. Yes. Yeah, so it's nice to be here for the first time on this new exclusive podcast to talk about history. Some we may or may not know. It was awesome to discuss the Golden Age of Piracy. And what shall we discuss next episode? You find out soon. Tune in to find out with more history lessons from the Lore Master.
This podcast was created through the Symbiosis Now Network and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the hell else you get your podcasts. And while you're out there exploring the other podcasts that this network creates, be sure to follow the network on Instagram at symbiosis.now.network, where we post lots of clips and highlights. And be sure to tune in to the Symbiosis Now podcast, the Cali Ag podcast, as well as history lessons from the lore master. And be sure to tell your friends about the Symbiosis Now Network.